Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, I came with an expectation this morning that we would encounter you. Or that men and women, that children would, would hear your voice. Lord, that as they worship you, that they would uh, be healed and transformed. Father, I, I expect marriages to be healed. But Lord, you don't hear, heal marriages, you heal men and women. You make their life whole, and if they're whole, their marriage will be whole. Lord, I expect relationships between parents and children to be healed. But again, you don't, you don't heal a relationship. You heal the son and the daughter. And you heal the mother and the father. And the relationship will be healed. Father, you heal us spiritually, emotionally, physically. You deliver us. You redeem us. You came to make us whole, Lord. Lord, your word says you inhabit the praises of your people, but your word also says you inhabit your people. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word and what you're doing, Lord, and that you're doing a work that only you can do. And we give you all glory and all honor and all praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're joining online, we're so glad that you're joining, whether it's from home or your car. If you're a guest, welcome. Well, if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 34. Uh, The scripture will also be up on the wall so you can read along if you don't have your Bible. And we'll get there in just a moment. Both last week's message and this morning's message are centered around Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to be looking at it from a different perspective this morning than we did last week. Last week we saw how Jesus personally encountered the Samaritan woman at the well, and he encouraged her to taste and see living water. And if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to listen online on our website or on our Facebook page but it'll be okay if you didn't. This, this message is, like I said, looking at it from a different perspective. But let's read Psalm 34, 1 through 8, where we read David's words. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. There's two things from this passage that we're highlighting in this series. The first one is that David sought the Lord and that God answered him. And the second is that David encourages all of us that read these words to taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good. 
In Jeremiah 29:13, God th- spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And both David and Jeremiah's words reassure us that if we seek God, we will find him. And I love Jesus' words that he spoke through the Apostle John in Revelation 3.20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus is doing the seeking here. He is standing at the door of our heart, knocking. And all we have to do is open it and let him in. Jesus' words in Revelation 3 are very similar to the encounter that he had with the Samaritan woman that we looked at last week. We saw how Jesus had gone out of his way to encounter her where she was. And he offered her himself living water, wholeness, forgiveness, redemption. And all she had to do was receive him. And here in Revelation, we see that Jesus goes out of his way again. He's literally going to the door of each and every one of our hearts, knocking, seeking us out. And all we have to do to personally encounter him, to personally engage with him, is open the door. And if we do, we can taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good, just as David did. Our seeking Him amounts to opening the door of our hearts. The door that He's already knocking on. And if we let Him in, we will taste and see that He's good. Last Sunday, we looked at how Jesus described uh, receiving everything that he came to offer to the woman at the well as living water. And this morning, we're going to look at a different encounter where Jesus describes receiving him as eating and tasting bread. But not just any bread, the bread of life. And we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning in John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And again, it'll be up on the screen if not. We don't have time to read the entire chapter this morning, but I would encourage you to read it this this week on your own. We're going to pick up in verse 25, but before we do, I just want to give you a little background to what happens just before we encounter uh, him and the people this morning. So the day before, so if we were if we were there listening to Jesus's words uh, with them at that time, this would have been yesterday that I'm talking about yesterday. Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the, the reason that Jesus left the crowd at that time was because they were going to try to make him king. And later that same day in the evening, the disciples went across the sea without him because he sent them along and said, I'm going to go up the mountain to pray by himself. And the disciples encountered a storm. And this is when Jesus walked on the water out to them and calmed the storm. And they finished getting to the other side. And so this is the next day. They're on the other side. And we're going to find them. And the people find him. Because when they looked for him the next day and didn't find him, they said, well, maybe they went to the other side of the sea. So they go and get in boats and travel to the other side themselves. So verse 25 says, when they found him. On the other side of the sea, they said to him, 
Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? So the first thing that we see here is that Jesus calls them out. He says, the only reason that you are seeking me today is because you got your fill of free bread yesterday. And that's why they wanted to make him king. What better king to have than a guy that can make bread out of nothing? It wasn't because of anything he said or did. It was because they got the bread Now, notice that Jesus says not to work for the food that perishes. And he's talking about physical food, but work for food that will endure to eternal life. But don't miss this point. While Jesus said we need to work for that food, he doesn't say that that work is going to earn it. He says right after that, I will give it to you. The same way that he told the woman at the well, if you would just ask me for water, I would give you living water. And just like the woman at the well, right now, they're not comprehending anything that Jesus is saying. And so they keep asking him more questions. In verse 28, we just read the last question they asked him. He said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answers in verse 29. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So before we continue on, I want to take a little bit of a rabbit trail. As I was preparing this, God reminded me of something that I've I've questioned many times throughout my life. And that's, why was he here such a short period of time? Jesus only lived to be 33 years old when he was crucified. And he spent 30 of those years not teaching, just growing up and, and being raised up by the Holy Spirit and his father before it was time to go and do the work of the ministry. And when he did, he only spent three years. And I've just never been able to comprehend how, if you have all time that that human beings are living on this earth before Jesus Christ returns, why would you just take three years? Couldn't he have done more with more time? And the other thing that it makes me think of, and that's why I'm bringing it up this morning, is if he was only here for three years and that was enough, which it was absolutely enough. It was exactly the plan of the father. It was exactly what he intended before the foundation of the earth. So it was enough. But if he was only here for three years, then everything that he said is very important He didn't waste any words. He didn't waste any actions. To the contrary, he said over and over and over throughout his ministry, everything that I say is what I hear the Father saying. And everything that I do is what I see the Father doing. 
And John later, uh, in John 21, 25, will say that if everything that Jesus did and said were written down, that the earth couldn't hold the books that it would take. But we have all the words in a book, and it's the words that we need. So there's no word, all those words that would have filled all those books are words that we didn't need to hear, but the ones that we have, we need to hear and we need to understand. So these words of Jesus are very important, and I want us to look at what Jesus said. He said, the work of God is that we believe in him whom he has sent. All the work of God. Everything that he has done, is doing, or will do is to accomplish one purpose. That we would believe in Jesus Christ. That we would personally encounter him and know him and allow his sacrifice and his resurrection to restore the broken relationship between us and God the Father. That is God's work. Remember that Jesus just said a moment ago, not to work for food that perishes, but for food that will remain forever, eternal life. And he followed it up by saying that he would give it to us. So God, the Father's work is that we would believe in Jesus Christ. And what is our work? To believe. That's our only work. To believe in the one he sent. The free gift. But we have to receive it. He's knocking at the door. But we have to open the door. So Jesus just drops this truth bomb on them. And what is their response? What sign will you show us today so we can believe? Don't forget, these are the same people that saw Jesus feed over 5,000 people from five loaves of bread and two fish yesterday. Yesterday. I can't imagine how I would have responded to this group of people if I was Jesus. (laughs) Are you kidding me? But Jesus responds with such mercy and grace. He doesn't even address their stupidity. He just says, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And he continues in verse 33. He says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus plainly says that he is the bread of life. And just like the woman asked for the living water before she understood what he was talking about, now they're asking for that bread as well. 
but only because they don't want to have to eat physical bread anymore. They think, oh, if we get this bread, we don't have to worry about finding food anymore. But then Jesus tells them he is the bread of life. And if they will come to him, not only will they not hunger, they won't thirst either. So Jesus has brought these two uh, accounts together, just like we saw last week that Jesus referred to the bread of life. Now, when he's focusing on the bread of life, he refers back to the living water and says, if you would receive me, you'll never hunger or thirst again. Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does He now say, I have come down from heaven? So are you seeing this? Jesus is plainly telling them the truth, that the will of the Father is that all would receive Him, Jesus Christ, and receive eternal life. But they're grumbling because they're like, we know this guy and we know his parents. And now he's telling us he's coming from heaven. But here's what I want us to not forget. Not their unbelief in what Jesus is saying now. But remember how they got to this point of the conversation. They saw the miracle of free bread yesterday. And they came for more free bread today. And that was enough for them to make Jesus an earthly king. But now Jesus is offering them something so much more than earthly bread. He's saying, I have the bread of life, eternal life. I have the living water that will give you eternal life, that will make you whole. This is what God prophesied from the very beginning. And I'm here. I'm the Son of God, the Messiah. And I'm offering all this to you as a free gift. But they're saying, okay, wait a second. We could make you an earthly king, but we're not ready to make you the king of our life. We're not ready to receive you as the king of kings. And they don't believe what Jesus is saying. They can't receive it. In verse 43, it says, Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Jesus is making it so clear to them, but they can't see it. They can't bring themselves to believe it. They can't receive him. Look at those underlined words up on the screen. They will all be taught by God. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. They were literally being taught by God and those prophecies were being fulfilled in that moment, but they couldn't receive him. Jesus had gone out of his way to encounter all of humanity. But they couldn't receive him or what he taught. And he tells them again, I am the bread of life. 
He continues in verse 49 and says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. They don't like that part at all. We continue in verse 52, you'll see. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. So Jesus is prophesying in advance of his crucifixion and resurrection, but they don't understand it. He's also prophesying in advance of communion. We, Mike mentioned earlier that we have the elements on the left and right of the sanctuary every Sunday. He had the Last Supper with the disciples, and he took bread and broke it and said, This is my body. Eat it. And when they poured the wine, he said, This is my blood. Drink it. But they don't get that right now. They're thinking he's talking literal, uh, giving his flesh and blood to receive it, and they're about to lose it. <laughs> so verse 57, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? It wasn't just the crowd. It wasn't just the people uh, who came and had gotten the, the, the free bread. Many of the disciples that were following him were questioning what he was saying and start looking to turn away from him. Verse 61, but Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So Jesus references the Holy Spirit here just as he did with the woman at the well. He told her that we would all worship in spirit and in truth. And now he's telling his disciples and the crowd that it is the spirit who gives life and our flesh will be no help at all. And neither is our physical water and bread. Jesus made it clear multiple times that even the literal bread from heaven when, when the Israelites were in the Egypt for 40 years, the manna, that's what that word means, bread from heaven. God literally sent on a daily basis for 40 years bread from heaven that they ate. It was physical bread. And Jesus' point is, even the people who ate bread from heaven died. Anyone who's had any bread or any liquid that we all have to sustain our life on earth, Jesus is saying they all died. 
whether it's the, the grain that you raised and grew and turned into bread and the grapes that you raised and squashed and turned into wine and you lived on that for however many years you were on this earth or the people who, who were brought out of Egypt by God and ate little bread from heaven. They all ate, they all lived for a period of time and they all died. But Jesus is saying, I'm offering you something different. The bread of life, living water. And anyone who eats this bread, who drinks this cup, will live forever, will experience me. They will taste and see the Lord. They will encounter me. They will be transformed. We saw and witnessed a baptism earlier. uh, And that is a reflection of what God does, that we go down and we come up. And the Bible tells us that we literally come up a new creation that everything that was before has passed away and everything that comes after is new. It's a work of God, a miracle of God, a transformation of God. And it's for us now, today, to change our life today so that we can be that witness wherever we go. And Jesus is offering this to them And he's saying, if you will believe in me, if you will receive my truth and experience me and encounter me and taste and see, you will live with me forever. And he continues in verse 65 and says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus looked to the twelve and said, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You know, it's ironic that the Samaritan woman at the well, someone that shouldn't have had anything to do with Jesus and Jesus shouldn't have had anything to do with her, that he would encounter her and he would offer the same thing to her and she would receive it and her people, other Samaritans would receive it. But God's own people, the chosen people in Israel and his own disciples, many of his own disciples couldn't receive it. They couldn't receive the truth. And so now he's looking to the 12 that he handpicked and says, are you going to go away as well? And Peter responded, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The same way that the Samaritan woman had, after she experienced Jesus, said, you are the Messiah. You are the Savior of the world. She knew who he really was. So Peter has the same revelation as she did, that there's nowhere else they can go. And after Peter's response, Jesus shares the last words that he has to say in this account. And we find it starting in verse 70. It says, Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Way to end on a high note, right? Jesus is prophesying again. But this time he's talking about Judas, who would later betray him. 
But he's also telling Peter something. He's saying, Peter, speak for yourself. If you'll notice those words, Peter was speaking for everybody. He was saying, we, we've had this revelation. We know who you are. We believe you're the Holy One, the Son of God. And Jesus said, there's one of you, one of the chosen, who's a devil. And so what Jesus is saying here, when he's telling Peter to speak for yourself, he's saying, this is a personal decision. This is a personal revelation, Peter. This is a personal encounter, a personal experience. And yes, you've had it. But don't assume or presume the other 11 had. Because one of you, one of the 12, is not going to open the door that I'm knocking on. And I'd say that I'm sorry to end this message on such a downer point. But it's the way Jesus chose to end this encounter. These are his words. But thankfully for us, it can absolutely end on a high note. Because many of us, and for many of us, it already has. We know and understand what Jesus was saying. We have the benefit in the, of the hindsight and the benefit of God's whole word in the Bible. Every word that he said and all the history that came before and even what happened after Jesus was on the earth. But the fact that we have the Word of God and even the fact that we may know the Word of God isn't enough. We have to believe it. We have to receive it. We have to receive Him, Jesus Christ, the living Word. Most of the crowd that day heard all the words of Jesus. They heard the truth. They were literally being taught by God. And the vast majority of them walked away in unbelief. And we know that at least one of the ones that stayed behind did as well. You've heard the truth this morning. Jesus is the bread of life. And just a few chapters later in John 14, 6, Jesus simply states the truth clearer than anywhere else in the whole Bible. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to encourage you again this morning with David's words from Psalm 34a. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Believe that Jesus Christ is the living water and the bread of life and receive Him. Lay it all on the line. Confess your sins. Trust that He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. He'll wash you of all of your sin. And He will give you a new life. A transformed life. A whole life. And you can encounter Him for yourself. You can experience Him for yourself. That He really is the only way. He really is the only truth. And He really is the only life. Will you bow your head and 
Pray with me as we close. Father, I thank you that you went out of your way to send your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. That he went out of his way to join us here, to make a way, to restore our relationship with you. You went out of your way to encounter us, to love us, to save us. And I thank you that Jesus is standing at the door of each and every one of our hearts. And he continues to knock. And he's just waiting for us to open that door. Father, I pray that anyone who has never opened that door this morning would hear you knocking. And I pray that they would open it this morning. Lord, I thank you for your grace and mercy. Even if they don't open it today, I know that you are faithful and you will keep on knocking. You will give them chance after chance after chance to open that door. Lord, I thank you that when you came to the door of our heart, you didn't come empty-handed. You brought the meal for us to eat, the bread of life, and the drink for us to drink, living water, literally yourself. You bring that life into us. And you say, if we would just open the door, you will come in. And we can taste and see that you are good and will never be the same again. Thank you. Lord, we give you all glory and all honor and all praise and all power because no one and no thing and no one deserve it. Only you, Lord. And Lord, you also said in Revelation that in the end, every, de- every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. But God, I pray that humanity would take the opportunity now, today, to bow their knee and say with their mouth that you are the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, David and Elise Lower in the back, and they would love to agree with any of you in prayer that may, uh, if you received Jesus Christ, if you felt like you heard that knock on your heart this morning and received him, please go pray with them. I would also encourage you to pick up one of these books on the way out. It's called 10 Steps Toward Christ. It's on the table in the middle. We've literally given out thousands of these over the years. But it, it talks about baptism. It talks about receiving Jesus Christ. It's just the basic discipleship steps if you're beginning a walk with Jesus Christ. And we would love to join you in that walk. Please let us know uh, if you heard that knock on your heart this morning and you agreed to open that door. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on that last day. God wants to spend time with you so much that he sent his son to die just for you. Seek him out this next week. Taste and see that the Lord is good. His love is amazing, and he wants to show that to you. Amen?
after service, if you want to go home, head out to the left and go to your car. If you'd like to talk to Pastor Chris, head out and go to the right. He's there waiting for you. He'd love to hear from you and get to meet you. If you haven't met him, please introduce yourself and let him know who you are. Uh, A couple more announcements real quick. We're not going to have a men's breakfast this month, but the ladies are. So on the 17th, if you're a lady, if you'd like to have breakfast with your sisters in Christ, go to the fellowship hall at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday the 17th. And lastly, uh, Common Grounds Coffee is going to be closed the last two weeks of December, so get in there these next two Fridays and get your fix of the coffee and good conversation. They're going to be closed on the 23rd and the 30th. Let me pray for you real quick. Father God, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. So, Lord, give us this week a hunger to seek you out, to find out how good you are, and show up and show off, and we'll be amazed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Y'all have a great week together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 